when it's all flowing, this thing will drop in, that thing will drop in. It's so easy. It all falls into place. And then I know I'm still 100% flowing, being totally supported by something that is greater than myself. And that is what I trust. Mm-hmm. I trust that more than any other man-made system that's in place or or construct telling me what to do i i know what to do because it comes from within and so that's been my navigation today's unreasonable human has taken the road less traveled and found her home at the end of it she is currently a nomadic co-creator teaching somatic movement at retreats and workshops around the globe her name is karina hart Hi, Karina. Hi, Erica. <laughs> it's weird for me because you're, you know, you've changed your name. Your name used to be Sam, and now it's Karina. And I think I want to start the show with asking you how that name came about. Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So my full name is Samantha Karina. So that's Karina is actually my middle name. And for many, many years coming through school, I got teased for my name. And so I didn't enjoy my name and I just didn't want to be associated with it. However, my that middle name, Karina, is a combination of both my grandmothers, Kathleen and Verena. So some years on, fast forward to now, two years ago, um, I just grew into my middle name because I have this deeper awareness of my lineage, what my grandmothers mean to me. And um, it was actually an honor to take on my name. At the same time, personally in my life, I was leaving my marriage and it just felt timely that this could be a new identity and I just really, really grew into it. And so as I introduced myself to new circles of people, I'm Karina, mm-hmm. yet my family and old friends still call me Sam. <laughs> mm, oh, but it's so beautiful and I love that name. And I'm actually, I love that you've done that because it really is a beautiful name. And actually when I look at you now, I see you more as a Karina. In the back of the day, like we've known each other for a very long time. And yes, there was a time when you were Sam and Sam like really suited your personality. Um, But I feel like you've grown into this name, really, this new name, really beautifully. Um, Thank you for sharing why, how you came to to change your name. I think um, I've had a few friends in my life who've changed their name and People think it's so bizarre. It's so so funny how people find this, oh, what do you mean? They're changing their name. But I think it's such, must be such a freeing, a freeing moment of expression for yourself because you are stepping into something that you choose for a change. You know, yes. even though it was your second name, you very consciously decided that that name suited you more now. Exactly. And I like that word freeing because what comes to me is freeing and fitting. It's very fitting for where I'm at now. Mm. I have radically changed in who I am. So 
the the Sam that I was is an aspect of me and I love her for everything that we went through. But now Karina is such a different energy and such a different persona that, mm. um, yeah, it's, it is liberating. I get to choose it. I get to be it. And I get to be another aspect of myself. And mm. so <laughs> I... I actually really honor this part of me that wants to come up and play in the world today. <laughs> yeah. And be, and be all Karina and, and all, she's more of a goddess. Karina's more of a goddess, whereas Sam was a badass. <laughs> I'd love to talk about Sam. Can we talk about Sam? Because I love these yes. reincarnations because I really feel like we, every single uh, person, persona that we fill in our lives brings us to where we are you know and Sam Sam definitely had a big persona so can you tell us a bit about Sam when did I meet Sam when did I meet you yeah we met through the dance world yes and um I just loved your whole vibe and I loved that you were a dancer and you were DJing you were into music and we met I think it was at Margie Wells studio and we well, did I was class. teaching. You were teaching. I taught there for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I, I, th- I, I needed some choreography because I was dancing and choreographing um, in my own creations. I also came through like a beautiful 25-year career of dance. And at that moment, I needed choreography and I approached you and you were like, yeah, sure, I can, I can support you with this choreography. And we became friendly and then I started following you and then um, I realized you were this epic DJ. So I started following you <laughs> because I love to dance. Music moves me like in a way that it's so healing. Mm-hmm. And um, then you asked me to come on board with one of your DJ shows and we got to work together and then we became friends from there. And ah, mm-hmm. just a beautiful, yeah. But Sam at that time was really um, into her dance, her choreography. You could get me out of bed. You mentioned the word dance, show, production. I was there mm-hmm. and I had such a passion for it and I still do. Mm. Um, yet now as Karina it's more in a conscious way Mm. whereas Sam was the badass who was just like doing life but with a different consciousness (laughs) yeah when did you start dancing how old are you from the age of three and my mother tells my birth story of how I came into this world doing a tap dance so from the age of three I was on stage with ballet recitals and my whole life has been on a stage since then Mm. and and your career as a dancer was a long career it was very you yeah you were one of those that really broke the status quo when it came to you know a lot of people think that a dancer has got oh your career ends when you're 20 you know and that's it but you didn't do that yeah because it was in me Yeah. Yeah. yeah my career spanned 25 years in the industry and only because I immigrated countries and I chose not to continue, mm. but I would still have been doing that in that capacity as in dancing myself, choreographing, producing shows. Mm. But I came to a different country and decided I was going to pursue the healing arts because coming from that physically demanding career of dancer, mm. you know, studio, um, 
show production company owner as well as choreographing and internationally I've choreographed. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. But kind of leaving that behind, I was like, Phew, I don't feel like I can start again, kind of like at the bottom level after having worked my way up. And it was my body that guided me to yoga and shaking medicine and all mm-hmm. those modalities. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the, the, the career that I had was because it's my passion. It is me. I feel that's my gift to the world is movement, somatic, you know, whether it's dance, which is so healing. But at that time I was just, I had a playground. It took me to so many beautiful places. Yeah. And um, I kept reinventing myself in terms of, well, I'm not just a dancer. I'm a featured dancer and I'm not just a featured dancer. I can choreograph and I'm not mm-hmm. just a choreographer. I can assist on this production. And then eventually I had my own company. So I kept, mm. I kept going, you know. <laughs> I love it. You really did. And you did it so well. You really did. Um, your career from your dancing, you then emigrated. You emigrated to New Zealand. Yes. So you went through this big change of immigration. As we know, both of us are immigrants. It's a massive thing, going to a new country, finding a new culture and settling into this new culture. Uh, When you first got to... Yeah, when you first got to New Zealand, when did you decide that you were going to live... Um, off the grid, basically. Mm. What was that movement? Can you explain the time that you decided, okay, I was this dancer, this is what I've done for many years. I've now moved to New Zealand. Now I want to follow my more of a soul purpose, although dancing is soul. You know, it's just mm. an extension. You just, just ex- an extension of what you already knew. You went into something more in the healer modalities. But then you landed up living off the grid. Can you tell that story? Because I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you know, the catalyst for radical change in my life was immigrating to New Zealand. So myself, my husband and my three Scottish Terriers, we received an opportunity to immigrate through my husband getting a job overseas. And he said, do you want to go? And I I laughed and I said, I don't know why they would choose us all the way on the other side of the world, but I'm up for it. Did no research, didn't know what I was coming to. I just knew that this was an opportunity for us to do different. And that was our motto. That's what we we packed up and we were like, okay, we're doing this because we're doing different. Mm-hmm. So we came and we immigrated, we landed. And of course, like you say, it is a bit of a shock and a readjustment. And and I just left it. I left my career at the height of you know, I was just in it and loving it. And I had to make that conscious decision. Okay, I'm closing a chapter and I'm going to do different. So we landed and we were like, okay, if we're going to do different, you know, then that means rental and buying a house and all that same, same. So, but just in a different country. So we went into the rental market for a while and we realized that it was quickly chewing through our money and we wanted to do something different. That in itself led me to go, okay, if I can't have my dance and that thing that really wakes me up and gets me going, that passion, what is the thing? And it was yoga. And so I immersed myself in a seven-month yoga teacher training. And in that seven months, 
I started learning about these ethical observances and how we show up in the world. And I started learning about this eight-limbed path, Patanjali's way. And it was then I started learning about these words, the the yamas and the niyamas. And one of them was like, so if you were to take away, strip yourself away and live without the things that define you, who would you be? And I love this concept and it's called aparigraha. So this concept of non-hoarding and it, and I took it literally and started with my material things. Mm. At the same time, my husband was passionate about solar and alternative energy sources and, you know, like getting into how can we live with nature? And so we spoke about this one night. I was sharing my yoga concepts and he was sharing his passion for the land and it was a no-brainer for us. We were like, okay, we're getting out of the rental market. We're buying a tent and we're going to go grid free. I, I was so excited. What I didn't realize was at the time it was going to coincide with my first living in a tent experience in winter in New Zealand. Oh my God. <laughs> grid free so I learned a lot about myself and it was life-changing and that's how we ended up off the grid and it was like I say oh so life-changing for so many reasons did you did you um just so we could get some details on this because I'm intrigued and so the type of tent that you bought was a a bell tent you said those are like it looks looks almost like a a lotus-ish type uh, it's like a bulb almost. It looks it's round, a round yeah. tent. Is that what, that's what they are? Yeah. Like, some people call so it a lotus bell tent. Yeah. So you get two types of bell tents. The lotus bell is like the lo- it looks like an upside down lotus flower kind of, mm. it, and it and that's the brand lotus bell because of that very specific round shape. And then you get a, a just a bell tent, which is not that lotusy round shape, but more of a circus round tent, where the sides are low and then the peak is high, and it doesn't bulb like a lotus bell. Oh, so, so like a yeah. like a like a um, a yurt, but a different yeah. the same shape as a yurt. Yes, and the difference between a yurt and a bell tent is that well many things but one the the sides of a bell tent are lower so you don't you have to duck to walk in and your highest point is near the center so you can't stand up on the edges of the tent whereas a yurt is built at the height it's fully like a home where you can walk in through a front door and you've got the height all around you so yeah. you're not you're not having the the roof coming down and taking some of your space. You've got so much space, and okay. the yurt is insulated. It's like got like triple layers, and very cleverly designed. It comes from the Mongolian design. Whereas a bell tent is it's got the round shape, it's got everything you need, but it's more it's more for that like summer glamping or if you want to be <laughs> brave. Um, yeah, so we okay. we started with a bell to feel out what do we really want. And so we started with the one where the sides come down and takes up a bit of your space. And were you on just a piece of land? Did you just, how did you set yeah. up? Was there a piece of land? Uh, or, there wasn't a deck or anything. It was just on the ground. 
so yeah no so we we did a bit of research and we decided we were going to build a platform mm. so we built a platform out of pallets and plywood marine ply so it was weather proof and we just didn't want to be on the ground in winter because that would have been really really too cold mm. um so we were on a platform on these pallets we didn't have a deck per se we just had an entrance way and we were on a piece of land that friends were, we were so grateful that they had this huge property and they were like, yeah, sure, you can develop that piece of the land. And we did. We we had to really start from scratch. Mm. So Mahabi was building outdoor toilets, renovating caravans to make a kitchen for us. And wow. uh, it was, yeah, really a great experience. I was going to ask you, how did the... So you built, what did you have, was it a, um, what type of a toilet was it? Was it a, a composting? A, yeah. 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 So composting toilet. So we would use sawdust and a very particular mix of, you can use dry leaves and what's available in nature mm. for this human year to go back to the earth mm. um, and certain temperatures. So citrus trees really enjoy you know, that kind of fertilizer. So, yeah, we went down the humanure um, pathway with composting toilets. We had and, outdoor showers. <laughs> and um, how did you uh, – so you had phones, obviously. You had a cell phone. Yeah. Did you just yeah. charge that in your car? So we were solar-powered. Okay. So because of the solar power, we could have power to charge our phones. And this is where I learned a lot about myself. I didn't need a hairdryer, didn't need any of my hair appliances. That quickly went because solar power is about you can have your cup of tea or you can blow dry your hair. Choose. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I'll have my cup of tea because the way we were set up and it was winter as well, our solar panels weren't movable. So usually in winter, the sun's lower, it's on a different angle and you want your panels to be able to catch the sun all day long. Hmm. Otherwise, your power is limited. So we saved our power for essentials. And, of course, you know, we weren't totally off the grid, meaning we had our phones and laptops because that's how we do our work. But um, as far as appliances and that go, we cooked in a barbecue. I baked in a barbecue. Uh, we wow. had a little gas, little gas burner and uh, we would boil hot water in that but I got really creative with meals it was just yeah mm. <laughs> so interesting and, yeah and how long did you do this for we were in a tent for almost two years uh, two different sites so we did one move in, within that um, and then after I left my marriage I went back into a tent for three months okay so I want to ask you things. I mean, I love it. I love that you did this. I love that you did this because, you know, you've just like, you didn't grow up like this, Sam. You didn't grow up with hippie parents who were like, you're going to live off the land. You were a dancer. You had a professional career as a dancer. You, I'm sure if somebody had told you 10 years before, this is what you're going to be doing in 10 years time, you would have probably said, are you kidding me? I would so, have laughed at them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when you first moved in, you know, because being unreasonable, the thing that I'm learning through all these conversations is that 
being unreasonable isn't necessarily finding the easy way. Being unreasonable, the reason we do it is to grow. The reason we do it is to find transformation, to find healing, to truly learn how to live, you know. So in the these two years, did you have moments where you just thought, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> yes. It wasn't always a bed of roses, mm. but because two reasons. One was I really wanted to have this experience. So when I was thick in it and going through, you know, it's raining, there's mud, we've got dogs, there's no power. Um, to get to the bathroom or the kitchen, you've got to go out in the weather. The winds were coming up, literally, it felt like the whole tent was going to blow off the land and be swept away. So really adverse conditions, um, you know, cold, can't feel your fingers or your toes, but you've got to get up and make things happen because today's a new day. I would say to myself, oh, what the fuck am I doing? But then I would remember I wanted this experience. So this is teaching me. This is part of the radical change I desire. This is part of the letting go of life as we know it. And the second reason that kept me going through these motions, no matter how intense it would get, was that coming from a country, South Africa, where there's a lot of like a, such a little value placed on life and a lot of crime and corruption, I was like, I wouldn't be able to have this experience with this peace of mind, with this amount of connection to nature, this freedom. Because in South Africa, you know, not to bring a damper onto the subject, but as you know, like that kind of experience, living with unlocked tent, open space, no neighbors around you, freedom to come and go as you please, you would either be left for dead or robbed within the first day that you're, you know, trying to have this experience. So in the fashion of immigrating to do different, I was like, this is different. This is so different that like it was a core calling of mine mm -hmm. because, uh, and radical shifts, like you said, coming from the dance world, glitz and glamour, you know, I've come from five-star hotels, uh, cruise ship, you know, mm. whereas the dancer and the entertainment and like basically getting paid to have these high-end gala evenings and see the world. Yeah. <laughs> to mud, um, gumboots that where the water was leaking in the bottom uh, because I didn't have the most expensive gumboots. Um, you know, having to go out there and do things in the rain and just this really informed me of who I am. Mm. I was like, this is what I signed up for. And this is part of, you know, if I ever write a book or perform a show, it will be called From Stilettos to Gumboots because mm -hmm. I learned a lot about connecting to the earth, living with the land, letting go of the stuff that's not important to me. And just what's left after that is my truth. Mm. And that was enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so beautiful. So what would you say are you? Your greatest takeaway is about yourself that you've learned from that experience. I learned that I'm resourceful and that no matter what comes my way, 
I solutionize and I, I, I made that word as well. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I'm, I'm a solutionizer because <laughs> no matter what came my way, I was the positive one saying, well, this is what we can do. I'm not going to focus on the problem. I'm going to focus on what is available to us. Mm. And um, so I learned that I'm very resourceful. I learned that I can actually live without a lot of things. I learned that what kept me potentially safe was all an illusion and that I'm resilient um, and that just by showing up in my own truth is enough. I don't need to be compared or to be keeping up with anybody. Who I am is who I am. Mm. And that was massive because that put me on a trajectory of really being more connected to the natural ways of being, how things work in nature is also how things work within me. So that was a whole new consciousness for me. So my whole consciousness shifted and that was a massive takeaway because that experience of living in a tent gave me liberation is the word. I'm so free of so many things. Mm. Um, you know, limiting beliefs, um, other ways to do things. There isn't just a certain particular way. There are so many ways to do things that um, I'm so grateful for that experience. That is what I feel was more the experience was about, um, was to put me on a pathway of I am multidimensional and there's so much more available for me open up my heart, open up my eyes, open up my consciousness. Yeah. And yeah. And I'm sure the freedom of just not having, you know, we are, we're so in today's society, we get roped into, like I know here in America, like from as people go to college, they've got these college, uh, they've got debts straight away to pay for their college. And then they come out of college and they have to pay for their college. And then they feel they need to get a house. And we get so entrapped in these systems uh, of capitalism, I guess. And so to be completely free of that must have been, it, uh, it sounds... It sounds idyllic, even though I know it was hard. I know. I know it must be really hard. I've camped. I'm not a camper. <laughs> but just to feel that freedom of knowing nothing's holding me. Like there is no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not held by any form of structure at the moment. There's nothing that's keeping me prisoner in this life right now. That must be an incredible enlightening experience. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Um, you know, like you say, there must have been those hard times, but the, the payoff was the freedom, mm. the gratitude. When I dropped into those um, qualities, those emotions, I was like, you know what? Yeah, it's a little harder. You know, I've got to walk in adverse conditions to my shower or my toilet you know, when everybody else is in the comfort of their home and they've got like the fireplace cranking and, you know, our little family is huddled up because we've got blankets and hot water bottles. Um, it was the freedom of I'm here listening to the rain. I'm like 
five millimeters that separates me and the elements. Mm. That was profound. It's like, and the safety that I felt within all of that just started to connect deeper to so many things. And like who I am was one of them. And Mm. that in itself is a gift because we can go through life in that humdrum of, well, this is what I do. This is, I go to work every day. I've got to pay the bills because I'm already in debt, as you said. Um, Mm. The freedom of making our own choices, waking up and saying, okay, well, why don't we move to that location? It's by the beach. It's this, it's that. We have so many more options. Uh, We woke up in some of the most beautiful places within New Zealand that people have never experienced because they're in their homes doing their same pattern and that's their life and they're happy and maybe that's good for them, but it wasn't good for us. Mm. We wanted different. Yeah. Mm. So the liberation was definitely a huge takeaway from that. Mm. So after these two years, now you've done your yoga instructors and I'm, oh, that also must have been really great. Like I know how immersed because I also did a year long, my teacher training was also like a year long. And when you really get to do a year long yoga teacher training, you really get to go deep into it. And then being in that living like that while you're doing your yoga training really must have been really uh, powerful for you, I'm sure. What did you, after you decided, what what made you guys decide, so what made you decide to um, move out of the tent? Was that um, when your marriage ended? Was that the? Not yet. So what what the moving factor was, was we wanted to move from the North Island where we were in the tent of New Zealand to the South Island. We were now in the in the throes of, okay, what else is possible? What else is possible? Because of the yoga, because at that stage, my husband also then did a yoga teacher training. So we both immersed ourselves and we were on this quest for, okay, what else is possible? And where does cycling, yoga, vegan food, living off grid and, and, and with a community that wants all these things, where is that in New Zealand? So we, we chunked it right down and we found it was the top of the South Island. And we moved and again landed in our tent whilst we felt our way out and decided what was next for us. Um, and then we decided to go into tiny house living. So we bought a tiny home still off the grid. We were on a farm with other cottages and it was beautiful. Um And yet for me, it was about the sixth time that I was starting up teaching yoga again, finding my tribe. And it was a conscious decision. But a few months into that, I was like, something about the studio model wasn't working for me. You know, me going to the studio, setting up. And at that time, I was taking all my props, all my bolsters, all my blankets, all my things, because that's the kind of yoga I was teaching. So it became a thing for me, quite a big thing to, as we say, schlep all this stuff, you know, cart it in and out. And I was at, it was one day and it was cold and only two people showed up and it wasn't about the numbers, but it was about the energy versus what is actually going on. And for me, what was actually going on was that 
that studio model wasn't working and how could I reach the people without sitting in a one place waiting for the people to come to me hmm. and so I wanted to be more mobile so <laughs> and and that's where things started to go a little different because I was having these conversations with my husband and wanting to be more mobile and the, you know there's a model for us that's we can work smart smarter not harder mm. we can be heart workers not hard workers and I had yeah. all these sayings and you know and, and then yet he went in the opposite direction because at that time he got really passionate about his coffee experience so he opened up a little coffee bar it was this small place but it was bricks it was like in a building so different from mobile he went to more fixed and he had to be there every day and, and yet what he was offering was magical it was this coffee experience you know you come and you have a coffee with zippy which is his his persona and it's like hmm. a 20 minute experience like a healing experience so he was doing his thing in his own way and I wanted to be more mobile and that was the beginning of the end for us so I wanted to travel and move and and create experiences for the people in different areas. And so that led to us consciously uncoupling. It hurt, you know, it was like whew, radical change. But, you know, I had to be brave and be the courageous one to walk away because, mm -hmm. you know, he wanted it to stay as it was. And so that was the move to Nelson was essentially the catalyst for me wanting to leave my marriage as I saw us going different directions mm. and then what did you do after that so now you've decided you want to start moving around and you became a bit of a nomad I did yeah. I yeah what actually was the the final point was our three babies our three Scottish terriers Koki got really sick and he passed away and that was the, for me, it was the passage of, okay, mom, you can go. And so I had a conversation and the two girls that were left, um, my hubby said, you know, they really are attached to you. If you want to go and take them, uh, I support you 100%. And that was the, the next piece that was like, okay, he's okay with it. I'm going to pack my car, take my essentials and all everything I owned to do my car and wow. my two dogs <laughs> wow. and my car is just like a station wagon like Corolla Carib which is a bit of a station wagony looking car but it's not big at all and my whole life fitted in my car and off I went and that was an eight month experience oh, traveling living. around living yeah. in my car wow. teaching yoga doing courses along the way online courses which you know led me to the shaking medicine and so my whole modality of teaching was then just offering a nourishing experience for people's nervous systems hmm. and I would wake up on a beach one day then in a holiday camp and then maybe a friend would say hey come you're coming past this way come and stay with us for a night so I was completely looked after and you know once or twice I booked something luxurious for myself or you know mm. but it was me and my tent I had a small like two main tent then so I could put it up and pack it down and my two dogs and wild unreasonable wild. yeah unreasonable but fucking beautiful 
I would say unreasonable because that's what people were saying to me. Uh, my parents, for one, were like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> because they still have the South African mentality of it's not safe to sleep in your car. Whereas mm. in New Zealand, there's freedom camping. It's totally safe. You just, you're with nature and you're with other people that are seeking the same thing. And the seeking is just really wanting to feel like there's another way that there's just not all this pressure on you all the time. And I equate that to, you know, we've become a society that live in beta brainwave, which is all the stress response. We come from stress response. And I was choosing to live in alpha brainwave, whereas the creative energy. Mm. And I was coming at my life with creation and meeting it with peace and gratitude. Mm. And that was the most like profound experience ever mm. you know it takes a lot of courage to do what you did you know it it really takes a lot of courage but I think the courage comes from knowing when you start really tapping into your heart when you start to tap into what you really want to do from a soul level it's incredible how suddenly you just become brave. It's it's almost like there's not even a brave. It, it's just you have to do it and nothing is going to stop you from doing it. And even though you were brought up in South Africa, which is really, really dangerous and, you, you know, you still, that didn't, it didn't phase you. You still had that courage in you because it was that heart pulling, pulling you towards something else, something bigger, you know. Which is so beautiful. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And you're so right. And so I think that's the the journey of the truth. Who am I? And that was the, well, I'm Karina now because the consciousness that went with that part of the journey was I had let go of the fear that Sam had. I had tapped into that courage, which gave me a whole new layer of, wow, this is possible. Um and this is not to say that I didn't have moments where I would arrive at my next destination with my two dogs who they needed to be walked and fed and looked after first. Then I had to set up camp. I was totally exhausted. I may have driven six hours that day. And there were times where I just sat there in a heap crying, like dealing with grief and like, you know, what's, what am I doing this for? And then yet... Once that passed through, it was like, oh, I see. I'm just expanding even more into my heart, letting go of those pieces mm. that want to keep me stuck. The grief or mm. you, you're not enough. Who, do, who are you to think that you can do this? Or, you know, those voices from others who don't have the courage to do this. And the only reason they don't have the courage is because they are in a cycle where they're listening to those belief systems that serve them. And mm -hmm. I was trying to break away from those belief systems, you know, growing up with, well, you made your bed, you lie in it. Well, I don't want to make my bed today. So I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, I'm going to change my bed. It's my mm -hmm. car. And, you know, and breaking all of those kind of belief systems. Mm. Um, yeah, it just took me to new levels of what's possible for me as Karina. And, and Karina actually flourished in those times. Like mm -hmm. I say, even if it was one of those days where I'm 
barely could actually prepare a meal for myself. Everything else was taken care of, but all I had energy for was a bag of salted crisps and that was enough. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But when you move through those moments, you know, you, you can't help but grow. You just can't help but grow when you, when you push yourself to do something that is completely out of the norm of what is expected of people in everyday society, you really do. Your eyes are more opened to another way. And those situations cannot do anything but grow you. Even as difficult, as, you know, the more difficult it is, the more it's going to grow you really. Um, so you went into your yoga and then you started the shaking medicine. And shaking medicine, I'd love you to explain what that is because, you know, as a dancer, I know from like when you, you're born as a dancer, you just dancing is in you and it's like that that connection to spirit through movement and through music is visceral it's 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 why we dance why dancers are dancers um so I love that you've kept that going with your shaking medicine so please explain shaking medicine yeah thank you So shaking medicine or sacred shaking, as I like to call it, because some people get put off by the word medicine, but it's medicine for the soul. And I call it sacred shaking because it's really sacred when your soul, exactly like you explained, when you expand into your energy and you're connecting body, mind and soul, it's just so beautiful. So shaking is an innate healing mechanism. It's our primal healing mechanism. We're born to shake. That is the design of the body. Yet there are cultures, ancient tribes, ancient African, Egyptian, uh, Native American, you know, the Kalahari Bushmen, they're still shaking today. They have passed on the tradition. Um, There's some Eastern practices that shake, and there are some types of kundalini yoga where there's spontaneous shaking. In our Western society, we were taught to suppress. What are you crying for? Don't behave in that way. You know, when children are tantruming, it's a a form of shaking. It's a form of the nervous system releasing the stress response hormones. And so by stopping that process, we're suppressing. And so um, that natural healing mechanism hasn't been allowed to function how it is designed to function. So shaking medicine brings us into that place from a voluntary shake where where we physically shake ourselves. We're then preparing the body to shake us so involuntary shaking or spontaneous shaking is sacred shaking or shaking medicine it is nervous system hygiene we are looking after ourselves from the inside out and that's why it's so important is because that feeling that you have post dancing or post yoga or for those that love running or cycling there's a certain kind of feeling that comes with the afterwards like Mm. how do you feel before as opposed to afterwards and that afterwards feeling is because you had an opportunity to shift within the nervous system 
to go into those states and also shifting the brainwave states. So to go into those states where you're no longer in stress response and you're in rest and digest. And uh, that is where the natural state of being, that's how we designed to live. It all got a bit whack and turned upside down with how we've, you know, been choosing to live or how we've been told to live or what society has become. And we flipped that around and we started living in stress response with only a small sliver of creation, natural state of being energy. Mm. And yeah, when I discovered that through living grid free, through my yoga, through the shaking, I was like, for me, this is how I want to be. I, I choose natural state of being and I choose abundance. I choose love as my pathway of ascension. And it's brought me to this point of sharing it with you. Yeah. Isn't it so cool? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it so rad? Yeah. Freaking cool, freaking rad. And the thing that we don't even know that we've got this mechanism, like we've got this design in our body. How many people know that? So I'm on a mission to share this. And that's why it suits me to be traveling and to be mobile and a nomad because I can reach more people. Yeah. So you're still a nomad now? Somewhat, yes. <laughs> I just packed up my tent uh, four weeks ago um, mm. to be mobile and... I have no plan. I'm currently house sitting for friends, and then I will just travel and wait and create opportunities, and I'll know where I'm meant to be. But because I'm so rooted and anchored into my mission of sharing this, because humanity, we have an opportunity to hold our own healing, to activate our own healing through mm. somatic practices, through dance, through shaking, through yoga, through movement. So I'm teaching that, I'm sharing that, and, and it brings me great joy. And I, and I feel like being mobile is, and because I'm so rooted in my mission, it is mm. unfolding and mm. I'll be where I'm meant to be. And that's the exciting, beautiful part because I'm not scared to play in the unknown. I don't have well. to know what tomorrow looks like. And that's maybe why I'm an unreasonable human, because I like the unknown. I like the excitement of the surprises that the universe has in store for me. And once I shifted that it's not a place of fear for me, it's a place of excitement. That's where my natural state of being is. Then there's nothing that can perceived, like mm. this perceived going wrong. There's nothing that can go wrong. So, yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, you, what is it that people, you know, because now people are going to be listening to the show and thinking like, oh, there's no way I could do something like that. But what do you have to say to people like that who are like, no, this is unreasonable. You shouldn't, you, you know, it's, it's, it's irresponsible. <laughs> yeah it's not what do you have to say to people who who struggle with the concept of this freedom 
it takes, you know what I say? I say, that's great. You know what? I honor you for choosing a life that seemingly works for you. Mm. Um, because my truth is that way of living doesn't work for me. And so I'm honoring my truth. And so similarly in reflection, if it really is working for you, then all I can say is, hey, good for you. I honor that you're doing what works for you. Because if there's no resonance in what I'm doing, there's no amount of words that are, and I don't need to convince anybody. So there's no amount of words that will express that what I'm doing brings me happiness and joy and profound experiences and radical shifts. And that's what I'm here for because my soul wants to grow. Mm-hmm. My soul doesn't want to stay the same and do the same. And for some people that's safety and that's what they know and love. And great. I don't judge them. I'm just choosing different. So mm-hmm. what I say to them is, Hey mate, I honor you for doing you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm just going to do me. Oh, I love what you're doing. And I think it's, you know, because I've known you for a very long time and seeing how you can always tell when a person is is happy and is living their purpose, you know, and your purpose may have been at one stage to be a dancer and doing the choreography and everything. And that's maybe the thing is that you've never been afraid to live your purpose because you, even in dancing, you know, dancing is a, is also a risky business. You know, at the end of the day, dancers, you know, they come a dime a dozen and then it's like, it's it's a tough cutthroat industry and in South Africa especially you know there's a lot of really good talented dancers and not much work out there for them you know and so you've always had that that courage to really live your purpose and to to not not do things the way other people do it you know even in your dancing you did it and when people were not doing it anymore because they were settling down and having families and going to get a job because, you know, you can't be a professional dancer all your life. You were like, no, I will be a professional dancer and I'll be it until I decide not to. And then you decided not to. And then your purpose was to break free of all that was holding you and, and, and live a simpler life. And you just did it. And it just, when you speak about the way that you've lived your life, it seems you just make it look so easy. And I know it's not easy, but I think that's what it boils down to is that, you know, for you to, to, to do unreasonable things and magical things in your life, you have to just make the choice. You've just got to like decide. And once you've made that choice and once you've decided that is how you want to live, that's when the shift happens. The shift mm. can't happen until you decided in your heart and from what I see, everyone, every decision that you've made, you've made with your heart. You have said, this is what I'm doing. And you've gone in it head first. So I just love that about your journey so far. And I think that uh, I wish that more people would live like you. I, I wish more people would be brave enough to try it out. Like, why not try and live off the grid for a while? Why do you have to have like 
why do you have to pay rent? Why do you have to have a nine to five job? And it is, it's frightening for a lot of people. And I think it's just because we're stuck in these systems. We're stuck in these systems, but these systems don't need to exist in in everybody's lives. You can also get out of the system somehow. Um, So yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to watch when somebody really has done it like you because mm. you're still doing it and I don't see you stopping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful because that's exactly what part of my driving force was. It was like, I don't have to be in this town. I don't have to be near a school. I don't have children. Mm. I don't have to be in this particular region. So why don't I explore? And that was part of the, you know, because I didn't have to. And then when I go deeper than that, I'm like, like you said, the choices are there. And so if I'm not in a have to, have to, have to state of being, what is the other state of being? And that is choice. And that is what do I want to? What is my desire? And that does come from the heart. And when I started choosing heart decisions, I was noticing there's this flow state. And when I'm not in flow, I really can feel it. I come up against, uh, you know, roadblocks as such, like that's not leading me anywhere. Okay, so that's not the direction for me to go. Um, When it's all flowing, you know, this thing will drop in, that thing will drop in. It's so easy. It all falls into place. And then I know I'm still 100% flowing, being totally supported by something that is greater than myself. And that is what I trust. Mm-hmm. I trust that more than any other man-made system that's in place or or construct telling me what to do. I, I know what to do because it comes from within. And so that's been my navigation and, you know, just getting back to not having to be in certain areas because, you know, one of the things along the way I've been told, you know, dancing is just a hobby. It's not a career. And I proved that wrong. And then I was dealing with you're a failure as a woman because you haven't birthed children in this lifetime. And so I was like, okay, so I haven't birthed children in this lifetime. So then I went really deep with it and was, what is my purpose then? If I don't have to be in one place raising a family, then perhaps I'm a mother to many. Mm. And that is where the yoga came in. And I was like, okay, I can hold space. Mm. So my gifts to the world are actually creating these spaces for healing And holding that space like a mother would for a nurturing family. Um, And I get emotional as I talk about this because I had an opportunity to mother my dogs as my children. So when Koki passed away, it was a big rite of passage for me to live this chosen way of freedom. Mm -hmm. And then Olive traveled with me and Lola traveled with me. Two dogs, one car one adventure and when olive was was her time to pass away she she gifted me the concept of heal the mother line and so i did this the first time with koki and olive that i went through conscious death 
mm. holding them to their last breath. And the profoundness of the gifts is what keeps me rooted in my truth. And when she gifted me that heal the mother line, I went deeper into the feminine sisterhood wound and my ancestral line of why I haven't birthed children in this lifetime. Mm. And the the woman in my my lineage have all carried such fear in their wombs. Mm. And that was fear of being pregnant out of wedlock, fear of bringing a child into such a young marriage. And it was my opportunity to do different. So being a failure, no. But not wanting to birth another human through that fear construct, that is what my mission was about. And I was parent to furry children who spoke to me through energy. Mm-hmm. And so I sit here so emotional because I have done different. I have chosen different, but I have still had opportunities to mother, even mm-hmm. though it looks different. And I also get emotional because I have decided to travel and to be mobile and nomadic. And Lola is living with her dad. And we still have a very beautiful relationship. And I miss her. Of course, I miss her dearly. But I'm also on my mission now to help many. Mm. And she's with him. And he's going through his own health issues currently. And Mm. she's transmuting so much for him. So, again, it's an act of selflessness. But it's so emotional, so deep, and Mm. so healing. So it doesn't matter what, uh, you know, people want to label me in terms of my mothering. I mm. know what my my mission is and I know that I've done what I came here to do in mm. terms of that. And I'm, I'm now going to hold space for many so that, you, as you know, and I know a little bit about you having a passion to work with women. Mm. Wouldn't it be a beautiful place if children were born through wombs that didn't have to hold all that fear? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that that fear that those ancestral lines that it those ancestral traumas that we carry through our wombs. Yeah, this is where the work is done, and that's why your work is so important, you know, and like it, you absolutely are holding such a mother energy and a you know and and it is it's it's a very important work that you're doing and there is it, it frustrates me that people have this this conditioning that you have to have children to be a mother it's so ridiculous it's not the way it is you know the divine feminine is in all of us, male and female. And that energy is a mothering, caring energy. And that is what this world is lacking. The world needs more of it because people have forgotten what that is. Men have forgotten what that is. Men have forgotten to hold their male and female energy. And people like you are necessary in this world right now because you're the ones who are Mm. cultivating that and bringing that out and sharing your gifts with the world because you really have got a gift when it comes to holding space for people. Um, yeah. And, and, and it's, 
it wasn't to have children in this life because you have got other very important work to do, which is just just as important as bearing children. And so bearing children is not for everybody because we have got other very important things to do on this planet and mm. some of it is not having children. So mm. um, I just want to thank you for the work that you do and I, I really want to thank you for sharing your story because it's such a unique story and it's I just love that you are living your life you you just you just living your life the way that you truly want to live it and there's like it's really like I I see younger people doing like you know when you're young and you're in your 20s yeah I'm gonna go like live off grid but when you get to a, to an age where people expect you to have settled down and have a have a mortgage and have a retirement fund and whatever that is you have just gone no i'm not doing that and so easy to do that just say no i'm not doing it and so thank you for sharing this because if this conversation just gets one person to just look a little bit outside of their reality and just say, okay, this is my little box that I've been brought up in. And maybe if I just look outside of the box, I don't even have to step outside of it yet. Maybe if I just start looking outside of the box, maybe I'll see something that is more in line with me. It's not mm. about, because this is this life is not about what our parents want from us it's not about what society wants from us this mm. life is about living and truly finding ourselves and learning who we truly are as we walk this life and you can't do that from inside a box that was made by somebody else yeah so thank you for this i mm. I feel like these conversations are very important and I feel like people like you are very important because you're the people that make reasonable people, I guess is what you want to call them, which I don't believe that, but make people just like sort of suddenly question like, oh, that's weird. Like why would they want to do that? But after this conversation, maybe they will look at it and think, oh, Wow, that sounds pretty pretty cool. That sounds pretty advanced and pretty, I don't know, what's the word when you have evolved? Maybe, mm. maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it is, is that you're evolving into a different way of society being. And mm. you know, like when people thought the earth was flat and somebody came and said, ah, it's round, and everybody thought they were crazy you know those are the unreasonable people those are unreasonable people because they're doing something without anybody else's uh approval yeah and then suddenly those are the people that create massive change in the world because suddenly people think oh maybe the world isn't flat mm. but it takes people Absolutely. like you it takes people like you to be the catalyst for things you know so I think we've mm. come full circle mm. and I mean I, I I've loved this conversation and uh, it's just so red you're so red Karina 
<laughs> oh, thank you, Erica. It's been an absolute honor and a joy to share my story. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I feel so much gratitude for being seen on this journey. Um, it's just so wonderful. Like you said, if I can inspire just one person through our conversation today, that it's, makes me so happy because what, what making it in this world means to me is like how much freedom, happiness, and love do I have in my, in my life? And so if, you know, if the listeners can just take that one thing away and ask themselves, how much happiness do I truly have in my life? And then, you know, in my box or whatever you've created, how much freedom, happiness, and love. And that's my guiding light. And if it's not bringing me that freedom, that happiness, and that love, then I get to choose differently. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> okay. So I've got um, to finish off the show. I'm going to ask you three unreasonable questions. <laughs> okay. My first question is, what or who inspires you and why? Any unreasonable human (laughs) that is following their heart is a huge inspiration. (laughs) And that is why, is because um, where I am right now in my life, it's like I don't, really get guided or or um mentored by anyone else but I really go within so that's my guiding force but you know currently what is keeping me on the pathway of ascension is um you know I I aspire to those who have really just stepped out there anyway and gone fuck you all (laughs) I'm doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's not a particular any one person. It's I salute all of those. But just, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, just follow your heart. That's why. Just follow your heart. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, my second question. What life rule are you determined to break? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, that's one um, that comes straight to my head is that you, in order to be successful, you need to have financial success. I'm smashing that one because um, success in my world is that I have the space and the energy to pursue the things that really matter to me. Mm. And with that money comes because I'm in a natural state of flow. So I don't live by the amount of money in my bank account determines my success. Um, it's, that is a false sense of safety and an illusion in my world. So smashing that one. <laughs> yes, to that. That's a great one. Okay, my last question is, what is your definition of an unreasonable human? My definition of an unreasonable human is that human that recognizes there's something greater than themselves. And once they can tap into that, 
there is actually so much more available than was ever imagined. Mm. And so those unreasonable humans are just tapping into something that is there that perhaps hasn't been discovered by by the others. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Sam, this has been so wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been a very special conversation. And, um, yeah, I could carry on with you. <laughs> I think that it would be good, fitting to say that actually Sam and I had a two-hour conversation before we recorded this episode. So we have now been speaking for, I think, about three hours. <laughs> And like you say, we can still go on and on and on. Oh, I just love it. Yeah. Well, Sam, I, I'm just behind you all the way. And I just, I just, I'm so incredibly inspired by you. And I love that you're living your life your way. And yeah, you're just inspiring. And I love you. And thank you. No, thank you. Well, you've just made my day. You are one human that I've inspired. So there we go. There we go. I love you. I love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've had an amazing time. Thanks, Sam. I'll chat to you soon. Mwah. Many blessings. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Well, that's it for today's episode of Unreasonable Humans. Thanks so much for joining me. Please follow the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember that a great rating goes a very long way to support the show. Until the next one. Bye.